Hi, and welcome to the Victim to Victor podcast. My name is Anu, and I am your host. And in today's podcast, I will be tackling a rather uncomfortable and distressing issue. It is one which many of us would choose to not even think about because we cannot simply even try to understand the motives behind the sinful acts committed by these outcasts. Today, I will be looking into the mind of a rapist. No one can argue that being raped is one of the most harrowing, distressing and humiliating experiences which a person can go through. Have you ever pondered the rapist's motives? Why do rapists commit such unlawful acts? As many factors play a role in the development of a rapist, this is a difficult question with multiple responses. There is no simple way to justify this heinous motivation. Although it may be tempting to lump all rapists into the same category, it is important to note that rapists, like regular people, differ greatly. Many of them are just regular citizens. Some people will steal your watch, car or money, while others steal sex. Many criminals are apprehended and sentenced to prison. Nevertheless, many sexual predators are not apprehended and there is a good risk that this is their first criminal offence. According to research, those who rape tend to begin when they are young, in high school or in their first few years of college, most likely crossing a line with somebody whom they know. Typically, they exploit the victim or engage in unconsented and coerced intercourse. There are two categories of sex offenders, those who leave after one or two offences and those who continue to do so, often with violence every time. Furthermore, rape can never be sexualized, although statistics show that women are more likely than men to be sexually assaulted today, it is important to note that a sexual assaulter could be anybody. Unfortunately, since there are so many different types of rapists, there are many ways to categorise them also. There is the opportunist rapist who takes advantage of every opportunity for sexual gratification, such as their victim's lack of self-control, while under the influence of narcotics or alcohol. Another type is the sadistic rapist who seeks to humiliate and degrade his or her victims. Furthermore, the vengeful rapist directs his or her rage and violence at women. Since he believes that he has been hurt, rejected or wronged by women in the past, such rapists believe that they can sexually assault women also. We all know that sexual harassment is a significant and widespread problem, but do we know why it actually occurs? One of the most common myths regarding sexual harassment is that it is caused by the rapist's personal psychological issues. The root of the problem is not just one person, but the larger cultural context in which that person works. Cultural expectations can make committing a crime like rape easier or more difficult. According to Marshall University, the rape culture is an atmosphere in which rape is widespread and sexual abuse is celebrated and excused in the media and mainstream culture. The following are several examples of cultural expectations which may justify why rapists grow up believing that unconsented sex is acceptable. Making fun of sexual assault by making jokes about it. Defining manhood as sexually abusive and domineering. The term womanhood is best described as sexually passive and submissive. Labelling women who refuse sexual advances from men as frigid or cold. 
assuming promiscuous women are the only ones that are raped, perceiving unwelcome sexual advances such as catcalling as compliments, instilling in boys the belief that they have a right to sex, associating a man's social standing with his ability to get laid, using mass media to glorify sexual harassment. The victim blame attitude is another harmful aspect of the rape culture. This mindset casts doubt on the veracity of a victim's account of sexual harassment, raising questions such as if the survivor was alone when they were attacked, the amount of alcohol consumed by the victim, if the victim was not dressed modestly and was wearing clothing that was too revealing, if the suspect was out late in the evening, the victim should have said no with more authority. The survivor does not deserve compassion or empathy in these cases, as mentioned. Instead, they are being accused of causing the sexual harassment by their bad moral decisions. When this occurs, the blame is transferred to the victim rather than the suspect, who is the one who is really to blame. Unfortunately, society tends to blame the victim, especially if it is implied that the victim did not express their non-consent to the perpetrator. The question of whether it qualifies as sexual harassment is often discussed in the press, and it comes down to whether the victim declined. But what about cases where victims were unable to say no because they were unconscious due to opioid intoxication? Or was it that they were experiencing a panic attack? Or that they were afraid that if they resisted, their attacker would hurt them? Or that they were still worn out from turning down the perpetrator's repeated advances? Rape victims also experience long-term negative effects which extend beyond the initial attack. Sexually abused people are much more likely to misuse drugs and alcohol. Many victims will also suffer from emotional distress which may lead to difficulties at work or school as well as conflicts with family and friends. Rapists sometimes deny raping their victims and attempt to justify their acts. Men who confess to rape sometimes attempt to justify their behaviour. Unfortunately, many victims remain quiet in order to avoid being stigmatised and punished by the society, whilst the rapists are free to seek out another victim. It is important to first determine that rape is a criminal crime, rather than a behavioural or mental disorder. While some rapists may suffer from a mental illness, there is no such illness that drives people to rape. Many people believe that rape developed as a result of Darwinian selection and that this act of aggression evolved to maximise men's reproductive success. Many people also point out that most rape victims are women of childbearing age, claiming that this backs up their theory that rape stems from a desire to reproduce. Rapists also regard women as sexual objects that serve to satisfy men's sexual desires. They are prone to false assumptions which are often referred to as rape myths. A rapist, for example, may think that when a woman says no, she really means no and that she is only teasing or questioning him. That is not true and men must learn to recognise this. According to records, assailants thought their victims were simply being difficult to get. Many rapists are assume that most women initially say no and that a man must persist in order to find out if she really means it. 
in order to absolve themselves of the remorse, humiliation, revulsion and embarrassment that would usually follow a moral transgression, sexual harassment perpetrators often use post-assault explanations or justifications to transfer responsibility to the victim. They sometimes explain their sexually abusive behaviour by pointing to the victim's actions or other environmental cues. Unfortunately, these excuses make it seem as if the offenders were the victims and that the victims are solely responsible for their own actions. Sexual assaulters are more often likely to feel secure engaging in such heinous acts in the future if they do not engage in negative self-contemplation and self-sanctions. So what can be done to put an end to this culture of rape? Examine the gender assumptions with a critical eye. If you believe that women are born to be submissive, consider where that belief came from in the first place. Can you look for clues that a sexual attack was partly the victim's fault because she put herself in that position when you read about it in the news? If that is the case, why did scepticism come naturally to you? Have you ever justified a child's actions with a phrase, boys would be built boys? How would the case have turned out if you had kept him responsible instead? Make an effort, a greater effort, to be aware of the content and entertainment from which you get your ideas from in the media. Unfortunately, pop culture promotes the objectification of women through albums, television shows and movies. These female misrepresentations lead to the belief that a woman is a thing rather than a human. Women are not supposed to be commodified in any way. You may choose to skip this type of media on purpose. When people around you make offensive comments, do not feed into the rape culture with silence or acceptance. When you hear victims being dismissed or blamed with phrases such as she asked for it, clarify that a survivor is never to blame for whatever happened to them. If anyone tells you that they have been victimised, take them seriously and help them. Do not dismiss what the victim says or conclude that they are making it up. They may need your assistance. It is also crucial to be conscious of your emotional attitudes and activities towards your sexual partners. Always interact with respect with your partners and do not presume that they have given their permission. Also make sure you are describing your sense of self. Do not let cultural assumptions of what it means to be a man or a woman determine how you communicate with your partners. Make sure that your interactions with others are marked by honesty, mutual humanity and sincere respect. Additionally, it is important that people actively advocate against rape through volunteer service and activism in order to raise awareness of sexual harassment and avoid potential occurrences. Sharing articles and survivor stories on social media sites will help to raise awareness. You will help organisations that fight gender-based violence and empower women and girls by volunteering. Often, try to promote legislation that protects survivors while also holding offenders responsible. Although the rape culture can be a dangerous part of modern life, it does not have to be. By consciously working against it, you will help to build a society based on mutual respect and affection rather than objectification and fear. While this episode comes to an end, you may want to check out my book, Victim to Victor, now available on audio, where I have shared my journey of evolving through self-help and a determination to cast off my damaging past. My goal is to reach out to fellow survivors of abuse and provide hope and motivation in their lives.
I hope that I can help victors transform their lives and achieve amelioration in the process of discovering their true self. I also have a 12-week self-development plan which is absolutely free and it aims to guide you on your journey to recovery. You can find the link in the description below. Please do like this podcast, tag, share and rate it and um, maybe you might want to pass it on to somebody who you know who may have been raped and who may be struggling currently. I will be back with another podcast soon and until then take care and stay empowered.